I actually um, was, uh, we're on a series on 2 Chronicles um, 7, talking about uh, the keys to revival and the church's responsibility. And uh, amazing or not, I've been preparing on that. We're going to talk about repentance and that today. But I just felt in my heart uh, Friday night that uh, we need to focus on our moms more than that. And uh, speaking about our moms repenting might not be the best thing to do. And so, (laughs) yeah. I had an amazing mom. She's in heaven right now, single mom, and I don't know. I certainly wouldn't have survived without her, and I don't know how she survived with me. So we were a good partnership for sure. And, um, yeah, we just, I just want to thank you for, for moms. Thank you. It's really good uh, to have you here and um, minister uh, Christian moms. I often uh, meet with um, children that have maybe lost their way for a while. It's interesting in provinces, provinces train a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. But it's that gap in between child and old that sometimes lose, people lose their way. And I've sat with some young people, and they're struggling with stuff, and they're telling me how miserable they are. And I said, do you have a praying mom? Yeah. Do you have a praying grandma? Yes. I said, you might as well give up right now because you have no chance of enjoying your life outside of God with their prayers. And, and often, though, we see those answered in wonderful ways. So, yeah, you know, what a wonderful day to celebrate family. And um, we're going to look at some of the pictures of the church, and then we're going to focus on the family of God today as we speak about that. We know that in Revelations, there's, there's five, actually five pictures of the church, not in Revelations, in the, in the Word of God. And I'm just going to um, speak briefly about uh, the others so that you know what they are. Beautiful pictures that God paints in, in Scripture with regards to the church. And the first one uh, that I want to pick out is Revelations 19, where the, the Word of God speaks of the church as the bride of Christ. And I'm going to read this Revelation 19:7-9, and it says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen and bright and clean was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. I must be honest for me, as a guy, uh, I'm not so keen of this. That's why I'm starting with uh, me uh, being in a a bridal dress with fine linen, bright and clean. And uh, so often us guys struggle with that picture and so on. But the Bible also says that we're the army of God. And so I just, guys, just to, to um, uh, allow you to handle this, just imagine a bride with army boots on. And that's who we are. <laughs> and uh, you see the church referred to as the body of Christ. We're not going to go all of, through all of these because of time. Uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit, 
built out of living stones. And this is an amazing picture. The amazing thing is that when we are born again, born of the Spirit, we receive the indwelling Spirit of God. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place of God. And then, and subsequent to that, as, as we um, uh, trust in God and we can receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. So we have the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit upon us. And what a tremendous, amazing picture that is that we carriers, we are carriers of the light of God, of the glory of God. It's an amazing thing to meditate on and I encourage you to do that. We'll often change the way we see ourselves and, and hopefully some of our behavior as we understand who we are in Christ. You see, this is what Paul in Ephesians says about us being uh, the dwelling place of God. He's in 19 to 22, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and angels uh, and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. That is good enough. But it says that household is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises up between a holy temple uh, in the Lord. And in him you two are being built to become the dwelling place, a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, God is with us. God is in us and God wants to work through us. And finally, my favorite picture, there's also a picture of the church before this one as a lampstand. We see Jesus speaking to the church in Revelation about the lampstand. And that is for us to shine the light of the gospel of the glory of God uh, in word and deed. And, and so I want to encourage that too, that we are the light of the world. And Jesus said this. Through, in and through Jesus Christ. And he said this, let our light so shine before men that they might see our good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Often we, the enemy uh, intimidates us. Well, what are you going to say if you reach out to people? What you, you know, you don't know anything in all of this. And I want to tell you, as we begin to do good deeds to those around us, to our neighbors, to families and friends, whoever it is, as we begin to serve them, what it does, it softens a person's heart and it creates an atmosphere when, when the seed of God, the Word of God hits their heart, it can take root in their heart. And you might not see the, the benefit of that because one sows, one waters, but it's God that makes it grow. But our good deeds are a way how we can represent Christ in a physical way especially to people who have no understanding of God at all. So I want to encourage you in this. If you do them in a way and say, God, I want this to count. It's not just I want to help people, but try it out. And, um, you know, there's nothing more spiritual than a snow shovel in this winter storm for a lady or an old lady next door that needs her, her driveway shoveled. And you do that, and you go, and I ask you, why are you doing this? I said, well, we just want to love you and care for you and all of that. And um, I've been doing this, and I'm no hero at this, but I've got uh, 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 two ladies each side of me who are divorced, and they have their parents living with them. 
and um, just been sort of helping them out in little things. And I cannot tell you the impact it's having on those relationships. I haven't even shared the gospel yet. They know who I am and so on. But slowly but surely, it is creating a bridge where the gospel can go, go over from the dark side into the light side for me. And so it gets easier and easier for me to say, hey, would you like to come to church? And would you? Now they're starting to ask questions about all of this. And the funny thing, the other day I was uh, at home on Monday, my day off, and, and across the road there's, we have, I've had another old um, um, pensioner there, really, he's a, he's a strange guy for sure, and I was outside in my lawn, and he walked across, and he says, can you help me too? <laughs> I said, oh, no, <laughs> and, and so on, and you know, I'm no hero in this, but it's amazing how fulfilling it is just to see a smile on somebody's face just through a good deed, sharing your your, your time with some young children and so on that may not have um, stable homes and, and things like that. You can, we have no idea the impact that we'll have if we do it by faith in Jesus' name. And when you pray over them and you, so on, you, I, when I, I see a young child, I'm normally, um, I just feel like release, not every time, just releasing a blessing on them. God, keep this child and so on. It's so easy, and the enemy complicates it so much. Well, I don't know enough. I tell you, people can argue about this book till the cows come in. Even theologians cannot agree on this book. But what people cannot argue with, and I'm off track already, but what they cannot argue with is a life um, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. They cannot argue with it. There's no argument with it. You know, friends, uh, you get saved, and what's wrong with you? What's you different and all of this? Yeah, this is why. I might laugh at you, but I tell you, it leaves a thought in their head. It's a transformation that people want to see. So let's, let's be good lampstands this year. But the one that I want to really focus on is the family of God, the privilege we have of being part of God's family. And John um, 1 verse 12, uh, the apostle John writes this, Yet to all who receive him, to all receive him uh, as their Lord and Savior, to all of them who are born again, born of the Spirit, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that absolutely amazing? You might never have known your parents let me tell you something about adoption. Adoption is something that God did for us. In, the, in, in Ephesians 1, it says that we have been adopted into the family of God. And do you know the amazing thing about adoption? When you adopt somebody, you don't choose them. They choose you. I've been in Haiti. I was there in the beginning of the year, uh, all over third world countries, and, and people are come and they want to adopt a child and they go and adoption costs money and this is amazing about being adopted adopted by God he says you didn't choose me I chose you and we responded to that choice and because of that we were adopted and it cost God the very price of his son on a cross for our adoption and so whether you're adopted or whether you're not, uh, we, are, 
we have been adopted into the family of God as children of God. And we can see that it really, in, uh, it really fills my heart with joy when I read those, those passages. In, in, in Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6, David, David says this of God. He says that this, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, and God sets the lonely in family. And this is the family of God, and I pray that not only do we reach out to the world, but we reach out to the ones in front of us, behind us, sitting next to us. We reach out to them and, and make sure that they feel loved, forgiven, and accepted. And many people will say to me, well, nobody reaches out to me. And I just want to encourage, we reap what we sow. Just begin to reach out to others. You make the effort. Just reach out. But when we come together, we don't come as, God doesn't see us as in, individuals in a sense as the body of Christ together. God sees us as a family, yes, made of individuals, but one. And my prayer is that we will be aware of that, that God is bringing lonely people into this and he wants to set them in. Many Christians, like to me, are like uh, potted plants. And they, in these potted plants, like a nursery, you can take a potted plant and you can buy it and you can put it here and you can take it here and you can put it there. But if the growth of that plant uh, never matures to its full right. You can have a, a, a tree that can grow 50 foot and it will stay this big for, the, for its whole life because it's in a pot. God wants to set people in. God wants to get them set into local bodies, local churches, so that they, as the Word of God says, can be a planting of the Lord to display His splendor. And I want to encourage you, find that place. And if you see a lack in a church, say, God, maybe you're showing me this so that I can fill that. Maybe I can lead by example in these areas. But God never intended the church to be a spectator sport. He never intended it for us to just have fellowship with the back of somebody's head and, and so on. Uh, it, it, it's uh, pleased that people come, but it's so, so much more. It's the family of God. Amen. Amen. Sets the lonely in family. 1 John 3, 1, John writes, how great, is the love, uh, uh, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We are sons and daughters of the living God. What an incredible privilege, church. But with privilege comes responsibility. When I have guests come to my house, uh, and uh, when we have guests come to our house and, and so on, we treat them as guests. And when people still first come to a church, they are the guests in the house. We serve them. I don't get the guy, hey, Joe, I'm so glad you come to visit me tonight. Um, I need the trash taken out. Will you do that before we? And by, by the way, can you weed the lawn on your way out and all of this kind of stuff? I mean... Do you think Joe would come back and visit again? I certainly wouldn't. But family, family, kids, brothers and sisters have responsibilities. There's a responsibility, and there should be in every household. And we know when we're young how we 
kicked and screamed when it was our turn to do those things. But ultimately, it grows us up, it matures us, and helps us be better people when we, when we do those things. So in, in, the, in the, the responsibilities that we have, I want to speak a, a bit about those. It's nearly finished, so we can, we can have some fellowship together. First to me, the first responsibility is to love, honor, and obey our Father in heaven. That's our first responsibility. We have a dad. If you've never had a dad or your dad wasn't a good dad or whatever it is, even if you had the best dad in the world, he is nothing to compare to our Father in heaven. But this honor, honor is a huge thing and love. And how do we honor him? The Word of God says, by honoring one another above ourselves. It's an amazing thing. It's not selective honor. It's everybody. You see, my function is a leader of this church, uh, lead elder of this church, and the elders have a function. But that's not who I am. My identity is not in what I do. It's in who I am. And I'm like you, just a child of God. No different, just with a different function. And so when we come in, God has a function for every single one of us to do and perform, not only in God's house, but in the city and the neighborhood where we live. And he says this, we do this by forgiving one another, and this is a crazy one, Jesus says, as Christ forgives you. Now outside of Christ... And outside of understanding and a revelation of what Christ did to me, for me, a true revelation of what he saved me from and set me free from my sin, past, present, and future, it's very hard for me to forgive others. But when I understand the forgiveness has been placed on me, the Holy Spirit softens my heart. And even though it's not easy sometimes, we do it because Christ forgave us first. We do it by dealing with disunity. As a father, some wonderful children, we've had some times in our family where it's, believe it or not, I want to confess, a little bit chaotic. Chaotic relationally and everything in between. I'm telling you, it can get go right out of control. And, um, and, but I tell you, the picture I have when I speak of, see of this unity is uh, a Christmas day or something where we celebrating Christmas together and my son flies in, uh, my other kids live here and my grandkids are there. And, I, and at, the, at the table and just laughing and having fun and forgetting all of that. And I have this idea. I, I have this thing. I've got a chair. And I, I like to go and sit in that chair and just watch my family enjoy themselves. And there's no better feeling in a father's heart when you can say, man, behold how good and pleasant it is when my children 
are dwelling together in unity. It's an amazing feeling, and that's for us, for God. And unity, the Word of God says in Ephesians, takes effort. In fact, Ephesians 3 says, Ephesians 4 starts like this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. It means I can't have my own way all the time. It means my opinion might not be helpful at this stage. And as we guard the unity of the Spirit, Psalm 133 says this, He commands His blessing upon us. I can't imagine, God has blessed us so much just by saving us, I can't imagine what the commanded blessing of God will look like. God's Word is true. When we come in line, it will happen. The commanded blessing. I'm going to just bless these people way beyond they could ever hope, think, or imagine because they're dwelling together in unity. Unity in the home. Unity in the church. Unity. 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 God, it pleases the Father. And we want to be pleased our fathers, not because we have to, but because we want to. And I love that. I love that when that happens in our home. We honor God by caring for each other. He loves us. He loves us. You see, Jesus is the head of the church. Ephesians 2 puts that so clearly. But we are the body. And a body separated from a head is pretty weird, to say the least. But a head without a body cannot operate. I don't know why God chose to use work in and through us. But I'm not God, so I don't know a lot of things about God. But in his sovereignty, in his divine plan, he placed us higher than the angels when we were born again. We are seated in Christ, and we have the same standing before God as Jesus, as co-heirs of Christ and heirs of God. It's an incredible thing that God does in our lives when we are born again. And, and it's out of that place that we begin to work, and we, we, we begin to flow and so on. And, and so these things in, this, in a sense to do them like this and bring honor are not easy. But in Christ, we can do all things. In Christ. And so when our love tank is full, we don't go and say, okay, I'm going to write a list. I'm going to really want to help that bleep, bleep, bleep person down the road. And I'm going to do this and go and do it. And it becomes a set of rules. <laughs> there's, no, there's no fruit in that. When you say, God, I'm so tired, I'm so worried, I'm so overwhelmed by what's happening. God, can you fill my love tank again? Because God says this in Romans 5, and I cling to the scripture, that God pours out his love into our hearts by his spirit. And there's no boundaries to the, the love of God. So when we're feeling unloved, and we should love each other, but there's nothing more beautiful than being love, feeling the love of God. And it's out of that we begin to operate and do these things. We do it by carrying, each one of us carrying part of the load. As this church grows... Uh, and more people come. You know, on some Sundays, 
We have, the most we've had in, down in 180 and all the groups is just around 100, 120 kids. And while we sit in here beautifully enjoying this, our kids are being looked after by some people that very seldom get an opportunity to come up here. So when we begin to carry the load, and when we begin to do that, it creates longevity, and we don't have people burning out, and we don't have people being discouraged. We all carry the load. And I want to use this uh, example again. If this church now has a load of, let's say, one ton, if you've got 10 people carrying that load, how long can a person carry a 100-pound load for? There's some guys that could do it for weeks, maybe months. Really strong guys. But it doesn't matter how strong they are, eventually it's going to... And then they'll end up in my office. <laughs> and, but if there were 100 people, it's 10 pounds. Hey, I can do that. I can do that once a month. I can do that. I can do that. If it's 1,000 people, that's easy. Now what God can do is increase the load by adding more people, by adding more people, more people saved and so on. Because the load, the load grows, but the weight is less. And when we understand that, that God has called us to function in the body of Christ. And I look over here, and many and many of you are doing that. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And if you're new, please, please enjoy uh, the church and get to know it. But there are places where every single one of us can put our hand up and help. And, and to be honest with you, um, we have got more than likely the biggest percentage of, of, um, of volunteers, 72.8%, uh, hey, <laughs> Dan? <laughs> I don't know, but it's huge. I'm not a numbers person, but it's amazing. So let's help carry the load. Ask God what we can do. We, we honor God by, with our tithes and offerings. A place like this and the school, I want to tell you that we, over the, since we've been here, uh, we have invested over $650,000 into the school because we believe in, in education and Christian education. But you know what the school has, how the school invests in us? They don't charge us a cent rent to use this place. What an amazing partnership. We're trying to see how we can outbless them, and they're trying to see how they can outbless us. And because of that, we have these new gymnasiums and all of that in partnership. You can never, ever outgive God. And so it's just wonderful what we can do with finances to extend the kingdom even in this local school, as they bless us. I don't know who's out-blessed each other, and we don't really care. If we added all the rent we've been here, I don't know, and it doesn't matter. If we had more money, we would give them more money. 
so we could do this. Crisis Pregnancy Center and all of these kind of things. We absolutely love these ministries. Saving one baby. I mean, if that's all. And Jen, sitting there, has been faithfully doing this since she came as a young, just out of teenage, married wife. How, how many years ago, Jen, did you start coming here? Yeah. 14 years ago. She was involved then, and she's still a happy face, still involved there. I want to thank people like that. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Let's give a hand. Yeah, why not? Now, I want to thank everybody else like that because they might feel left out, so let's give everybody a hand. Awesome. You see, it's all about love. And love is only expressed through action and word and deed. There's no other way. I could love my wife and my family as much as I want to, but if I don't tell them that, they can think I don't. Well, they should assume I don't. And if I don't put that into action, then even if I tell them, they're thinking, no, you don't. Love is expressed in action, and, they, and that was expressed by our Father in heaven. I know that this is about moms, but uh, there's no mother in heaven. We have a Father in heaven. But moms and dads together create the family, and that's what I'm wanting to focus on. And love is active and demonstrative. I want to finish with this. For us to understand what God's love looks like. And it's something that we all will fall short of, but that's why we needed a Savior. And that's why we need the grace of God. And that's why we don't live under condemnation, because God loves us unconditionally. In 1 Corinthians, this is for the moms too, just for them to honor them. Paul speaks of true love when he says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And if we could close our, 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 our eyes for a while and just... Dean, if you could just please come up here for a moment and just begin to play, um, play the piano. You see, while you do this, I just want to say this. Is I need God to fill me up daily with his love. Even in preparing this, I can see a big log in my own eye. But that's not the point. The point is, is gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. 
He does not treat us as our sins deserve, but separates them as far as the east is from the west. And He chooses to remember them no more. And for the moms, I want to commend you. For the dads, I want to thank you too. For the children in this place, one day you will be moms and dads. And I'm just going to pray for a moment that the Holy Spirit comes and fills our love tanks up like a sponge. To soak in the love of God for a moment. He loves you. He loves you. You're His children. He's brought you into a family. His family. His family. 